the award. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Winning crunch time. Stephen Cornelia on approach to goal. It is a tough angle. He's 40 metres out. He hit it pretty well. That'll do nicely. First goal wins. Tip forward. Snelling will mark on 50. Great ball movement from end to end for the Bombers. And Zaharakis does it justice. Oh, what a fantastic second quarter we've had so far. Anything was going to be better than the first. Shield has the free kick. He's going to wheel on the left and lash it at goal. He got a big piece of it. That is going the journey. Knocked away from Stewart. Who's onto the crumb? Shaw's working down there. He missed the footy, though. McKenna's able to gather. Kick around the corner, and he bounces it through. Jordan's quite taken with the haircut. It is quite a sight to behold. But a goal here, and you wouldn't care what he's got on his head. He's put it through, and the bomber's gone absolutely nuts. <laughs> They've come from every angle to get a piece of the hair. Sets up a running, pushing duel. Zerk Thatcher versus the clever and stronger Himmelberg. Curls it into the pocket. Cameron wants it. Cameron gets it. Got away from Francis, put a gap between him and kicks his second. And the Giants have well and truly awoken. Mumford died that it missed it. Ward got clipped high. Umpires said the efforts of McKernan went high on Ward, who came spinning out, and he will have the shot at goal. Gee, I it think that's a, a big call. It's a hard decision for the umpire to make because you see the reaction of Callum Ward in real time. You thought he's obviously got him high quite forcefully, but on the replay, he hardly touched him. What is Ward's intentions? He's outside the 50. He's going to get everything he's got. He jumped into it. He made great contact. He got it there. Callan Ward makes it safe for the Giants. I thought I played it uh, pretty well. Uh, I didn't play for it, but I knew the contact was coming, yeah. It's a much-debated climax, but there's no denying the magnitude of the GWS comeback and its impact on the fortunes of both clubs. Did the Giants shut the door on the eights at the close of round 10? Papley played for the free. Maynard is arguing. The, the free kick's been paid to Papley. And reading his lips to Wayne, that is, that's a flop, is what Maynard is saying to the umpire. I hate it with a passion, because when you could coach the game on match day and there weren't interchanges like there are now in rotations, you can actually discipline that player yourself as a coach. Do not disrespect the opponent and do not taunt him. Are you aware of what appears to be an indecent assault against one of your players by another one of your players? No, mate. On the Fox spot. Okay, thanks. I appreciate your time, Hugh, but let's talk about the game. Thank you. It's against AFL regulations clearly to have medals stopped. The clubs and the individuals need to be accountable for not having dangerous footwear and steel stops in the regulations that deem to be that. Almost missed the first goal. What were you doing? Oh, yeah, I was just, yeah, just having a little smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm trying to give up. <laughs> I was just having a quick curry at the back. <laughs>
Our Monday to Friday round of footy offered moments to make you smile, images to make you grimace, and behaviour to make you shake your heads. All the events and issues are on the table before the fresh round roars to life. This is Crunch Time. One round ends, another round begins. Such is the way of 2020. And even the topics just give you an idea of the bizarre nature of this football season. Clean away, Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's. Never miss a goal with Mick Delivery, our supporters on Crunch Time. Jared Waitley with you. Kane Corns is with me. Kane, good morning. Good afternoon. Afternoon. What a strange week and a bizarre one at that. Just the two games of footy today, Jared. What are we going to do with ourselves? But uh, plenty of talking points. Looking forward to getting stuck into it this morning. Luke Hodge is in place. Hodgie, welcome. Yes, thanks, Jared. Morning uh, or afternoon, Kane. Uh, it has been. It's been coming off watching two ripping games: the Gold Coast St Kilda, and then the finish of, of last night's. But there's been a lot of topics. But I think Rusko's mum has uh, taken the light for, for myself. <laughs> First of all, her reaction saying that what did all the other teammates fall over for you to get a game, and then the fact she missed his goal because she was out having a dart. So uh, <laughs> it's been. She's been amazing so far this week. She has. She's given us a bit to smile about in slightly grimmer times. Sam Edmund. Completes our foursome. Hello, Sam. Jared, good to be with you. No durries out the back here for you <laughs> and I. Uh, g'day, Hodgie. G'day, Kane. I don't know how we're going to fit this all into an hour, Jared, but uh, mm. wish us all luck. The intensified nature of the season is probably borne out in the Callan Ward free kick, which I'm not sure is as nearly as controversial as it's been made out to be, but the ramifications, Sam, are, are, are broad. Absolutely. I can tell you this morning that Callan Ward... Keep in mind, voted the most courageous player in the AFL a couple of years ago has become the target of widespread social media and even email abuse after this contentious free kick. So we know what happened, but in the 20, 24 hours since, 12 hours since, he's had Instagram posts of his baby son hijacked by hateful messages, one even saying they hope Ward did his knee again, which I think we can all agree is ridiculous and over the top. And somehow they've got a hold of his private email account and there's been hateful messages sent through on that as well. So it doesn't just affect the player who I think we'd say he's quietly spoken off the field, Callum, but he's been around 13 years, decorated veteran, can put up with that sort of stuff. It's more, as we know, the family members, his wife sees the posts on Instagram and the like. So the Giants leaving for Perth today and uh, I think it's fair to say that the response to that doesn't match the action. The, it even reached the Victorian Premier's press briefing today. He's an Essendon fan at heart. This was what happened at the end of the media session. <laughs> Any other issues? I didn't get a chance to watch the game, I'm afraid. And I've never been one to comment on umpires. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good response. Kane, what did you make of it? Well, I thought, firstly, his attack on the footy was first class. So this wasn't... uh, He attacked that footy. I want to talk about the game shortly as well and just how ferocious it was. But would he have got that free kick if he didn't add the extra exaggeration on the end of it? I don't think he would have. So you and I have argued about this, Jared. I think it's incumbent on the umpires to um, not reward players who do that and even to the point if it was a free kick but you exaggerate it play on because what we're seeing and you and I spoke about it a fortnight ago is players being rewarded for this behavior and the only way to stop it is to stop paying free kicks for it so on both instances they've been controversial the Papley one the Ward one they've both been given free kicks the only way to stop it is to stop paying free kicks can can I just say I know we're going to discuss 
they're not in the same genre, are they, Kane? Is no, Papley's no, no, no. one is a straight out dive. Ward's is nothing like it. No, Ward's is an exaggeration of contact, and, and Papley's is a flop. So I mean, we'll, we'll draw the line, whatever. But but in the end, both of them weren't free kicks. Um, and I'm looking at the still shot here. McKernan's got eyes on the ball. He's almost touching the ball with his hands. Ward, yep, great effort. Head over the footy. They both don't get free kicks if there's not an exaggeration, uh, and that's why they're in the same category. So Kane and then Luke as well, does he get fined like Tom Papley did yesterday? Yes. No. 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 He gets, he, Kane, he, come I on. I think he gets a This fine is better. Though. I'm not agreeing with you, Kane. This, is, this, feels, this feels normal. Come he on, can't be fine. Can I just Mate, ask, Hodgie, would he have got a free kick if there wasn't the exaggeration there? Well, it's... The same as so many other decisions this year, Kane. It's it's up to the interpretation of the umpire, and clearly he got a bump to the head. Yes, he may have exaggerated over, and he said after the game that look, he played that up a, a little bit. Mm. But in saying that, he still got a bump, whether you mean it or not. If you bump someone in the head, no matter how hard or soft it is, the umpire says it's a free kick. So, I, and I trust, I know what it's like playing Hawthorne against Essendon. Essendon supporters are very passionate, and they do hit you up if you if you beat them or do something wrong against one of their players. Mm-hmm. But I believe that was a, a free kick. Yes, he went a little bit further to make sure he, he did see it. But there's, there's no way he's getting fined for that. that that's no, not just, staging, is it, Kane? No, I, think it's, I think it's an exaggeration, Jared. And if yeah, but, you want to so, cr- crack the down The definitions are really important here. Is, yeah. is Papley is full-on staging? I'm not defending Papley. Oh, Papley's separate to that. That's, it's blatant. That's a, a $500 fine, no issue. And But this one here, if you want to stamp it out, um, you've got to do something about it. Otherwise, we're going to continue to see it happen. Now... That, that, that's my that's my take on it. I think there's would be a fair amount of people that would agree with me that you can't have cartwheels and dives and flips and flops after the contact to make sure you get a free kick, jump straight up and kick a goal without there being some um, disincentive to do it. Does it fit into the gamesmanship bracket, Jared? as no, a description. not at all. <laughs> it's not even you're there close. To, you're, you're there to win a game. So you liked it, yeah. Jared? No, no, I'm not saying I liked it. I actually don't think the umpire... Well, you're defending it. I think it would be very difficult for the umpire not to blow his whistle in that moment. Contact, the contact was, was because, forceful. Because it was he, forceful contact. I don't think. I didn't think the contact was forceful. At all. The only reason the umpire paid a free kick, and it wasn't the controlling umpire, I think that's important, it was the non-controlling umpire that paid that free kick, is because he did a, you know, a couple of flips after. In saying that, if he, if he does it this week and the umpire says, nah, I think you're, you're, you're flopping, then probably people are going to sit back and go, well, you bought that on yourself. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the same with other ones. We talk about the Toby Green. Does he get a hard run because he's normally going the body and most of the time not the, not the man? Well, you sort of make, make your own bet in that, in that situation. So if that happens, we're probably going to sit here and go, well, that's come a few exaggerating last week. But in my opinion, I think I'm the same as Jared, that he got him high, he got a free kick. It should not be fined for that incident. The game itself, Kane, so from 29 points down, the Giants were they were at the brink. It felt like there was a reasonably short breaking point in the way that they were playing. Essendon did have a chance to bump it out beyond five goals. and So they progressively worked their way back into it, and then it just felt to me that Essendon went way too defensive in the, in the final term. Mm, I thought it was significant for the Giants because 
in the past, I reckon they've won games on sheer talent. You know, we're better than the opposition. We can have a bit of a, you know, muck around for a, a two or three quarters and then we're still going to be good enough to run over the top of them. But I sense some real panic. Like just the, the, the voice of Leon Cameron at halftime, which you may not have heard because you were doing the game, but there was some, some, some real concern about the way that they were playing. And then I thought the way that the group galvanised and won ugly, the way that they did, I thought it was a pivotal moment for, for a group that, that were really staring down the barrel of, you know, underachieving again this year. So... Look, it was an ugly game of footy. We know that. No goals in the first quarter. But I thought it was a significant moment for the uh, Giants to win under some adversity when they just weren't playing well at all. Hodgie, they they are doing everything the hard way at the moment. I'm with Kane. I sort of admire the way that they're they're keeping themselves in it. Yeah, I, I think you look back and the, the game against Richmond. I think it was a very it was a similar one. It could have went either way, and they they did some really good things towards the end of the game and they and they held on. And these are the games where you look back at the end of the year and it may get you into a top four or it may get you into a, I suppose, home final is probably irrelevant these days, but it gives you that second chance from winning these close ones. So there's no doubt they're going to look back on these games and say, look, we got lucky, what can we improve on? But it's another one where you tick the box. It's it's a weird year. They've played a number of games in, in a sh- short time span. Uh, but I, I do agree. I do agree with that, that, the fact that they want to be playing better football. But as long as they're chocking up the wins at the moment, my other one for Essendon sitting there is like, how can you get at such a big lead? play one really good quarter of football, um, hit the scoreboard, but the rest of it, they just didn't look like scoring. Uh, that, that's that's a massive concern for them. I know they've got a lot of senior players out, but uh, it's, it's a big concern for them. Did, did they try to save the game from too far out? I think that's a natural instinct. When you when you don't have your, your senior guys on the on the footy field saying, look, we've got to keep playing the way we normally do, your natural instinct is you tighten up. Do you go for a switch into the middle of the ground when they've kicked two in a row and, you, and you've got a 10-point lead? No, you don't. You go safe and you go back down the line. And I think that's what we've identified, that Essendon don't play their best football. When they switch it to the boundary, they hold up, they go long down the line. When, when they're playing their best football, their most exciting football and, and how they score, we saw it against North Melbourne early in the year and obviously in the second quarters when they try and get numbers flowing through the midfield, get it in quick and, uh, and get their small crumbers to, to kick goals. So I, I think that... And not having those senior guys to, to talk the, the younger guys through it re- really hurt them. What do you think of Essendon, Kane? Well, I just think they made some pivotal mistakes when the game was on the line. So we, we can highlight a couple of mistakes. There's more than that over the course of a, a game. But the McKenna 50 to Heath Shaw was significant. He got caught up in a moment prior where they, the, the, both of them were wrestling after Heath gave away a free kick. Mm-hmm. So that was the emotions getting the better of them. That, that cost them a game. And then and then the, the uh, Tip and Woody passed to McKernan. So... Tip is a beautiful set shot for goal. He had one earlier on in the game at the same end. Did not look like missing. So McKernan calling for that in a slightly closer but worse position angle-wise, I thought that was significant late as well. And then they just under the pump, 15 to 6 inside 50s in the last quarter. And you just feel like they, you know, it was going to burst at some stage. But there, there was panic from the Giants. Don't worry about that. Phil, Phil Davis doesn't play forward <laughs> unless there's genuine panic from the Giants' coach's box. So you look at it two ways from Essendon. They, they had them completely on the ropes. They just weren't able, probably one goal to finish them off. But... Yeah, issues for the Giants as well, but Essendon just pivotal mistakes in crucial times. So Kane, if, with yep. Kane, sorry, Kane, with that uh, that pass, would would that be the fact that it's it's trying to do the right thing team wise, being mm. selfless, or it's just the nervous? It's a pressure situation, and I don't want that, and want to pass it off to someone else. What would you it's put that good, down? To? Yeah, it's a good point. I, I, probably the latter. I, I probably thought there was 
you know, the the best players, the big players, the Jimmy Bartels of the world. I know you spoke about him during the week. I think, Hodgie, they just take that upon themselves too. I'm inside 50. I'm not passing this footy game <laughs> from the line. Like, he just – some players have it and some don't. I did think there was a bit of nervousness. There's a bit of panic. And it's probably, you know, needed a Luke Hodge to come across and say, Tipper, you're a beautiful shot for goal. Relax. Don't even think about passing this ball. Go back and have a shot. Now that leadership was probably lacking in that moment as well. So if the Bulldogs are ninth and Essendon are 10th, notwithstanding that the Bombers still have a game in hand, did last night shut the gate on the eight with largely seven to play? Uh, it's going to be tough. I don't want to shut the gate on anyone nah. just yet. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not prepared to do that, and particularly when you've got some uh, injuries out. But, you know, are they going to get some back? I don't know. Uh, Stringer, probably not. Danaher, I know they were speaking positively about him during the week, but, you know, what role is he going to play in this season? It's going to be tough, Jared. You'd probably think the the top eight is set. I reckon. Yeah, who just, comes? This is the question. Who do you, who can you argue for? Who's not in the eight at the moment? Yeah, so, so the so dogs yeah. have lost their last two. Eston have lost their last two. The Suns are on something They're of a gone. slide. And Melbourne can't be trusted, and Carlton we think are out of it, and have got a difficult fixture coming up over there in Perth. So it's hard to uh, argue for those sides, Jared. In, in saying that, though, this year's been that weird. Like mm. the amount yeah. of teams that you've gone. <laughs> I reckon. I reckon the first five rounds. I reckon I tipped three and four winners because mm. you had. West Coast losing to, to Gold Coast over here when no one ever pictured that. And it just seems to be teams that struggle to back up, whether it's injuries, hit, Essendon and still have a game in hand with that, with that Melbourne game. Um, so I find it hard. You can't shut the door on a, a number of those teams, whether it's 9, 10, 11, because you get on a, a run of three games and that, that automatically jumps you. I think what a Gold Coast, Gold Coast are a game and a half behind Collingwood in eighth spot. So there's a number of teams that can get on a bit of a run towards the end of the season. And we know that rounds 14 to 16 now will be condensed again and there'll be games in the Northern Territory. So we're going into another frontier. So more question marks, more unknowns, Derek. It would be disappointing if the eight was set. Oh, I just think in the, the volatile nature of the season, but yes. Hey, there's a good Cinderella story, though, there with the Saints in second. Oh, they were definitely. playing some magnificent footy. So we'll come to them shortly. Uh, the illegal boots issue of... Um, it's sort of um, it's unbefitting a competition of of such magnitude and esteem. I think to have this sort of equipment issue and the consequences of it. Sam, you followed it pretty closely for the 24 hours. It got away from the AFL, Jared, in terms of what players are wearing. And I think we need to point out right off the top, it's unfortunate for someone like Sam Wicks playing his first game for Sydney that he's been almost made to carry the can on this to be the poster boy for the illegal footwear. Because I think you can draw a line to say. By virtue of the fact there was no sanction for Sydney, I think the AFL know there were multiple, multiple, multiple players wearing boots that they probably shouldn't have been. However, the Collingwood players, I can tell you with absolute certainty, before this game, knew the boots that Sam Wicks were wearing. Several Collingwood players uh, raised the issue with Sam Wicks himself and said, you, you should not be wearing these boots. And the response was along the lines of, well, I've, I've always worn them and, and I'm going to keep wearing them. Albeit is a completely freakish situation. Now, Isaac Quainer spent the night in hospital after the game where they had multiple staples and stitches put in to close that 20-centimetre gash. He was on his feet yesterday, taking part in the line-up there for the COVID test up there um, outside Maroochydore. So, no crutches, fine. He's probably going to be back sooner rather than later if there's no infection and the like. So, nothing serious in that nature, but um, a real strange one. It had been a sleeper and it had got away from the league. Okay. Well, I've uh, spoken to a few players at Port Adelaide who have the same boots, so it's not just a Sam Wicks issue. There's, there's a number of players across 
competition had these boots. But as Hodge would know, players don't like wearing the long stop boots. So I reckon 90% of the players across the competition prefer the moulded soles. And it's only, you know, the odd few or if it's really wet that you'll even see these boots. That's why I don't think it's been a significant issue in recent years. But And also, you've you got to trust the manufacturer as well, don't you? You so think that... This is the bit, missing part in the yarn, yeah, Kane, is there what? is culpability from the boot manufacturers. Why? Because, because they are straight up against the rules of the sport. No, but they're not just catering if, to the if, AFL. If they are marketed in or provided in any way to Aussie rules footballers, then they're straight up in breach of the laws of the sport. So I got the, a, I got a pair out, Sam. Sorry, Hodgie. I got a pair out last night that I had in 2015 that they're an Adidas type. Now, this isn't a, a brand thing. This is the version this time is Nike, and they are a, a straight-up metal slash sort of plastic stud that's similar to that in the long stop. So it's not just Nike. You would think that... For soccer and for AFL footy, which predominantly these boots are worn for, and for rugby, there's a safety issue across all three sports that the manufacturer has to be across. So it's the Nike Tempo Legend 8, which have a, has a soft ground version and a firm ground version. So an FG and an SG. It's clearly the SG, which is a hybrid sole, if you like, Jared. So it has some moulds, some screw-in aluminium steel, whatever you want to mention. But they're not just catering. They're an off-the-shelf boot. They're not just catering to the rules and specifications for the AFL. It, but if they are marketed as Aussie rules boots, they're, they, they're, they are against the rules of the sport at every level. But they're not just marketed Aussie rules boots. That's what I'm no, saying. No, but if they are marketed in any way, it should actually, it should be um, on the manufacturer to say these boots are illegal for Aussie rules. But wouldn't it be the club though? Because I, I know when I was at Hawthorne, we had our podiatrists who would go through and whatever boots got sent to me should talk to Puma about my foot, how I like wearing them, what I wear. And they normally get the tick off between the podiatrist, the f- football club and the brand that you wear. So I would have thought it's left to not so much the the people there. It's, it's who's wearing them and the club that, that they play for. And that, the that, AFL, that's my, yeah. my opinion. Well, Hodgie, the AFL clearly put the onus in that statement yesterday on the clubs mm. and the property stewards and boot starters, whatever you want to call them, to take ownership of the boots that they should and shouldn't be wearing. How costly? I don't think we have, think we have boot starters anymore, do we? I think sure <laughs> players these days can carry their own boots. They've gone with the cost cutting, unfortunately, probably. <laughs> How's, how significant is the Adam Trelaw injury, Kane, if um, with his soft tissue history, he's going to miss quite a number of games. Well, it's big just in the context of the whole side. Like, so, so piling up now, it, we, we were questioning the impact that Howe and Degoe would have, one at either end. Then you've got Pendlebury, I know he's going to come back, and Trelaw. So it's just four out of your best, you know, probably six players, six or seven players. And now at what point does that start to really hurt? And Long-term for Trelaw, I mean, we know soft tissues happen more regularly after you've done your first one, so that's when you're at more risk. Once you've done the first one, the risk increases and so on and so on and so on. So there's an issue for Adam, and it was always going to be a problem for a lot of clubs with the lack of preparation in the short time. So does he play this year again? He'll probably get him back for finals, hopefully, but then there's a risk again. So it's significant, Jared, the pile-up of injuries at, at Collingwood. I think that's another reason why we can't close the top eight because they're sitting in eighth spot and now they've got how many of their best... They've probably got four of their best six players that are out through injury. Um, so that, that's another thing to add for, for the season as well. Hard to say as an outsider, Jared, and it is easy to make the suggestion should he have been playing with his history. So he's played around five, six, seven, eight, nine. a lot of those in a condensed format. And we see clubs... So Trent Cotchin's not going to make the trip over to Adelaide or hasn't done. So they've clearly made the call that with his history... And with the condensed fixture, they're not going to be doing it. Jaron Geary, Saints had the two-and-a-half-hour bus ride south. He got off the bus. Oh, I'm just a fraction tight. Right, you're not playing. And they can maybe afford 
to make that decision, whereas Collingwood are under a little bit more pressure. But these are the unprecedented crossroad yeah. moments that clubs are facing. So he wasn't going to catch the plane to Adelaide, That's which right. was always the game that you go, well, this would be the one. So they knew they weren't going to play him on all the short turnarounds, but he's done the hamstring beforehand. Yep. I mean, that's we're going to rest in the next bad week. luck. Yeah, just got him a and week with, early. With that as well, though, that's the player has that the saying that most of the time because a lot of there would have been. 15, 20 times throughout his career already that he would go, I'm a bit tight, I'm right to play, mm-hmm. I can have the break next week. As a, as the season goes on, you're always playing on when, especially if you're getting a little bit older, you always plan on when you can get that little break, whether it's an interstate trip, whether it's a, a lesser-like team who you're probably going to beat anyway. So he would have had this put down. And he for him to play, he would have said he's feeling fine. It's just one of those things that sometimes you you play that game uh, and, you, and you do a ham- hamstring. That's just the, the sport we play in. The Alex Neal Bullen Tribunal was last night. It ended up quite an important case because Melbourne tried to argue against the recent um, adjustments of the categories where concussion moved to severe. Mm. I actually think they cost their player a week. They were arguing an old case to to stack up that this used to be high. Maybe they missed what was going on. As St Kilda with Ben Long didn't 100% agree, but they read the play. They pleaded guilty to both the conduct and the impact, and there was the agreement there's... The AFL prosecution asked for three weeks and they thought it was three weeks as well. Is Melbourne winning challenging it to try to get it lowered to two, which would have undone the precedent that had been built into the system? So the prosecution asked for four and they got four. And uh, the panel really had no choice but to go with what was put forward by the prosecution. I think Melbourne should have been able to get Alex Neilbull in three and they were a bit cute in the way they argued the case. Well, four's too many, and we might we might disagree on this because I heard you I heard your comments during the week, Jared, as well. I I didn't think there was any malice in that tackle whatsoever. And how can we have a season where Sean Burgoyne gets off? I know the rules been changed since, but how can we have a se- in the same season? Sean Burgoyne's is worse than Neil Bullen's. He gets none, one gets four, and you'll say yes, but uh, Patrick Dangerfield wasn't concussed, so I get that. There was more malice in Burgoyne's than there was in Neil Bullen. One gets four in a 17-round season. One gets none. That's con- to me, the players must be so confused. That's in the same season. Hamill. I think with that though, yep. with that though, it's it's the fact that if they had come in and said, "Yeah, we're happy for three, trying to, you, you're not going to get away with that with two. And the AFL. The tribunal normally to say if you're going to come in and waste our time and try and beg for something you're not going to get, that's why I reckon they gave him the extra one. You, you go in there knowing Gleeson, I'm, I'm tipping Gleeson would have been for the AFL. He's been yep. there for, for a number of years and he's very, very good. Um, he's hurt me a few times, but You'd know. you go in there and, and he and he has an honest discussion with you on where it is, where it's going to be at. For them to try and pull it down to two, um, I reckon that's where the, the four come from. And I, I agree, it was probably a three. I felt there was probably going to be a three-week suspension for him just because of the look of it, the media hype around it, and obviously the, the concussion from it. But, yeah, I reckon that hurt him for that, the way they're trying to negotiate it down. The outcome is severe for Hamill. He's going to miss two games, was the yep. evidence put forward by the tribunal. That's how uh, That plays a big role in where it is. The joy of the spectacle between the Saints and the Suns and what on earth happened at Richmond. The AFL's issued a statement. Round 10 done. Round 11 comes this afternoon. And doesn't it begin in a big way with Port Adelaide and Richmond to clash at Adelaide Oval? You're listening to Crunch Time for Clean Away, Stockdale and Lego. And McDonald's never miss a goal with McDelivery. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Luke Hodge and Sam Edmund in place for this hour with a whole round to work with, never mind... What comes next? Uh, the most disturbing story of yesterday came when Hugh Remington asked questions about player behaviour in the club song at Richmond, which is graphically depicted once you go and have a look at it. The AFL's just released a statement in reaction 
yesterday, Richmond was left to tidy up with apologies from the players involved and, uh, and a frown from the club on what had been taking place. The AFL's statement says, the actions of players touching several teammates inappropriately during post-game celebrations and or during club theme songs is not in keeping with either club, community or AFL expectations. The behaviour is inappropriate, unacceptable and juvenile. AFL players are professional athletes and set the example for the hundreds of thousands of kids playing football across the country. It is the responsibility of each club and the players themselves to assure this inappropriate behaviour is not repeated. It's honestly shake-your-head stuff. So to our two former players in this scenario, Luke Hodge, um, have you seen anything like that before and what have you made of it? Um, I, I guess coming from a, a, the football culture was stuffing around in the change rooms, but I think in, in today's game, you, you already see a number of players come out and sort of said their, their teammates having a joke around, no one took offence to it, but then you sort of see what people are saying, that you've got little kids watching this, um, that it's not a great sight for them. Uh, what's my experience? I had a former teammate who, um, when I tackled him down at Tasmania, who did it to me, but I think everyone sort of... Uh, took it tongue-in-cheek, bit of a joke, and, and the AFL didn't do anything about it because it was two mates uh, on the footy field um, having a bit of fun. But you can understand why people have, have pointed it out and you can understand why they want to shut it down. But in saying that, the Richmond the Richmond guys were sort of singing a song. They had a win. They were joking around with the mate, but it's just come across the wrong way. And I guess as, as players these days, there's, there's cameras everywhere and, and you can't hide anything you do. Kane? It's one of those things where we're in the moment that the players just sort of brush it off, as, as Hodgie's saying, as, as mucking around and doing that. But then when you actually go back and look at it and, and the players that have been highlighted this week would be mortified, and rightly so. So in the moment, they, they're having a joke and mucking around and, and perhaps no one even sees it and, and move on and don't give it a second thought. But when you actually highlight and you, you see the repetitive nature of it and... Hodgie's right, you know, you've got to sit down with your kids and say, look, this this is happening on, mm. on TV in front of the kids. This is not what you do. You know, you don't touch anyone there. You don't let anyone touch you there. Um, so for parents to have to do that to their kids this week on the back of AFL players that should know better, it's not good enough and um, it won't happen again, that's for sure. It was good journalism and, and I thought the AFL statement was, was pretty spot on. And if, well done to Richard as well. They're, they're not going to go and rip through their players because they're players didn't mean any harm by it, but I think it's, it's just a bit of a wake-up call for everyone, as Kane said, that everyone's watching now. It's almost like Big Brother at a footy club. Everyone's got a camera. No matter what you do, it's going to be scrutinised. So stuff like that, they just have to watch. So, but, but I'm, so I'm from outside the footy mm. club culture. It shouldn't yeah. be happening anyway, Luke. Is that's um, It's not just that it's been seen or it's... I just I can't understand what's going on with that. And I, I wonder sometimes, do, do footy players have any concept of what might constitute bullying? I, I, yeah, sp I spoke to Lucy about that this morning, Jared. Like, just how how ridiculous it looks in hindsight and, and just how um, and how you would feel like that if you're on the outside of it. Now, it, it's been thrown around, you know, always what happens in the change rooms stays in the change rooms. Now, that's not the case and players just have to get better. So... I can't defend what you're saying, and Hodgie can't either, other than to think, you know, if you have been and you have played footy with guys since you're you know, eight or nine years of age, these things happen from time to time. Um, but in today's day and age, it is not good enough, and I'm glad it's going to stop because it is embarrassing, highly embarrassing, and not on. 
And as a player, we can totally understand, Jared, your point of view. You sit here and go, well, I wouldn't go to work with someone and do that to them. Mm. Um, and we sit back here and go, 100%, that's, that's, <laughs> I can understand where you're coming from. So I think it's just something that, as Ken said, it's, it's, it's a hard ask, but that's, that's been a silly thing of culture of, of, of football clubs and sporting teams, not just football. It happens in, in a lot of ones. But I think, as I said, it's, it's been pointed out now, and I reckon a lot of players sit back and go, well, it is, it is, it is quite silly. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see that again, I would have thought. The spectacle on Thursday night. So we got one of each genre. As the first game was incredibly hard to watch, Collingwood and Sydney, and the second game was beautiful, Luke. It was a beautiful game of football, the, the Saints and the Suns. You had the privilege of being there live. I, I did, and I, before the game, I, I was sort of sitting there and I said, this is a game two years ago I would not want to have covered. <laughs> uh, but leading into it, I, I, I said that it had a really good vibe to it. Both teams have been playing some exciting football. Yes, Gold Coast had probably dropped a couple that, that, they, would, what, that they thought they would have won. Um, St Kilda had a couple really good wins over in Adelaide, and you could just sort of see out in the ground, both teams were up and about. They were energetic. Um, and... The way they played, it was like that. The both teams wanted to score. You could sort of see that they both scattered each other out. St. Uh, St. Kilda took a couple of good intercept marks, tried to switch it across the hill, but they had power squeezing down on hill. So tactics for both teams were really good defensively. But it was also when we got the ball, we wanted to go hard, we wanted to go fast, and we wanted we wanted to score. And you look at you look at both of those young teams, uh, and they've got some exciting players like Rankin again. Uh, that left foot snap in the pocket yeah. to bring it back within a goal, and oh. that hanger he took, and then got up and just played on as if nothing had happened. Um, you could sort of really hear, like for the first time since I've been up here, that the Gold Coast crowd were up and about. They were energetic. Um, yeah, it, it was a really good vibe to be there, and and the style and the, and the the way they played was was great to watch. St Kilda's sitting second, Kane, as, as you were pointed out. Um, have they convinced you? Uh, have they convinced me? I, I think they can win a final. I, I don't think they can... Well, they may, but I wouldn't predict that they would go any further than that. But having said that, that that's a remarkable achievement to go from 14th to if, if they can win a final. And what they've done in rebuilding their list, giving Saints fans who have done it tough for a long time a lot of hope, and, and that was on the back of a very good trade period that wasn't at the expense of um, limiting opportunities to their young players. It's reinvigorated the, the whole club. So I think he and Ken Hinckley clearly the coaches of the year. I probably have Ken just above Brett Ratton at the moment, but it's just another example of... Um, I reckon there might be a new trend of, of going to coaches that have been there before to do it again because he's better second time around. So if you're Michael Voss, if you're, I don't know, if you're Don Pike, if you're Brendan Sanderson, you know, why not have another crack? There's been a trend that if you get sacked, you're done forever. Well, what Brett Ratton has shown is that you usually, well, you're probably going to be a better coach second time around. So they've been one of the real good news stories of the year and um, I'm loving the way they're playing. Can I go back to that? Have they, have they convinced you? I find that no one's convinced unless you've won a big final. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the top three teams on the ladder, Port Adelaide, St Kilda and Brisbane, if you asked everyone out there who loves football and say, do they convince you in a big game, you'd be saying no, because they haven't done it in the past, where if you look at the next five teams on the ladder, which are Richmond, Geelong, West Coast, Giants and Collingwood, everyone would say, yes, they're convinced. I'm convinced of them because they've got senior players that stand up in big games, big times they've done it in the past. So unfortunately for those three teams that have done nothing wrong at the, at, so far this year, they're sitting one, two and three, but everyone's going to have doubts on them until they can do it on the big stage. So the Lions against the Tigers, which was, it was a moment to achieve that breakthrough, Luke, and 
They did so much wrong and the kicking at goal, which we'd spoken about on the morning of, and, and there it was again. How heavily does does a team carry that when they are... They, they went out of the finals in straight sets last year. And never mind, I suppose your point, never mind convincing us, just convincing themselves in those big games. What Was that a setback? Uh, I think when you lose by that much, yes, it's got to be a setback, especially to do it... Everyone sort of said they've done so much wrong. I would have thought at half-time that they'd done a lot right. They had had two less scoring shots apart from kick straight. The way they sort of moved the ball, the way they looked, they were good around the contest as well. It was just that the, the last quarter, the way they had, they were three goals 15 at three-quarter time. So you can't be doing a lot right if you've had 18 scoring shots at three-quarter time. Um, so, you've, sorry, you've got to be doing a lot right if you've had 18 scoring shots at three-quarter time. It was just that they, that they fell away, whether it was the lack of confidence, whether it was the four-day break compared to Richmond's six-day break. Um, but I think it just showed Richmond's class that in those pressure situations when they, yes, they had a 50-50 goal they were going to kick, they, they put it away. They, they shut down Brisbane when they had to. And, and Brisbane, a lot of those goals, you sit back and go, they should have kicked at least 10 of those out of out of their 17 points. You'd sit back, and a lot of them there, you'd sit back and go, they were, they were easy AFL goals. So, yes, they ruin it. Yes, they look at it. But it's not the first time. It happened in the finals last year. It happened in round three, I think it was, against Adelaide, where they kicked 24 points. Um, but there's no doubt, Fagan said last week, that they're working on it. They're going to keep working on it. And, look, you can't do much, but at least they're getting it in there. They're getting the opportunities. They had 21 scoring shots to Richmond's 22. They just need to be a bit more effective uh, next time they play. So what, and Chris Fagan had spoken previously about how much work they were doing on it. How, how do you conquer that? Because it's, they, they are working on it. Um, it's there. How do you, how do you confront that and conquer it next time around? Uh, oh, that's why I played defence. <laughs> I, I think with that, though, it's it's putting yourself in a situation. It's it's practicing the ones that you miss and understanding that you've got your routine. Whether them whether they get into the situation and go, oh, I've been here, and think about the result rather than the process that they do. But a lot of them there were uh, on the run or easy ones, what they would normally kick. But whether they're being rushed or whether they've got a better option to go to, uh, there's no doubt they would have went went through it internally and sort of said, what. Well, better could we have done with these scoring opportunities but as you said when you're in the, the pressure situation and Richmond are the best at any team of putting you putting doubt in your mind because they're always got someone chasing someone squeezing up at you their pressure around the ball is, is outstanding so that has to, a lot to do with with the, the misses as well I think and just on that Jared this is one for Kane and Luke is it a danger that it can become psychological against a specific opponent I mean a Richmond in the Brisbane Lions head um, well, yes. Well, well, they are. I mean, you don't you don't have that record without Bean, and, and Hodgie's probably been in some great teams before. You know, you think of the Hawthorne and Geelong yeah. rivalries where it's, it's probably gone both ways, and over time, remember, we just couldn't beat North Melbourne at one point. Whatever we tried to do, we could not beat North Melbourne in the early stages of my career, and um, so you just seem to get on runs uh, whilst you're out there and you're chasing the ball. You're not thinking about, you know, 16-0 Richmond versus Brisbane. The players aren't, but I don't know. Something about it creeps in when when it does get on the line. There's, there's no doubt about it. That, uh, I know there was times when we had the the Geelong Hawthorne rivalry. We were up. I, reckon, what, I think we lost oh. ten or eleven in a row. We were up on I reckon seven or eight of those in the last mm. quarter. But whether they are calmer in the pressure situation, we went against what we we're doing. They would get. They would always get over the top and. I've always said that good teams find a way to win. Whether you're playing good footy or not, good teams find a way. And, and Richmond have been doing that. But as far as are they in their head scoring-wise, I'm just looking at the, the Adelaide 
uh, Brisbane game. They kicked ten twenty three that day, mm. so it's clearly not just against the good pressure team. They were all over Adelaide. They just they just missed the goal. So it's obviously work that they're putting in, but it just hasn't reflected in games yet. And to accentuate your point, is the expected scoring, which is this curious little connoisseur's stat at three quarter time, the Lions on ex- on league averages and the like should have been three points behind, and uh, that gives you an idea of how the inaccuracy cost them. Luke Hodge, Kane Corns, Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund with you on crunch time. Where should the finals be played? All in one venue? And why are players so intent on humiliating each other at the moment, taunting each other? That's next on crunch time. Sam, at the top, you told us about the the social media reaction, just the vicious social media Mm. reaction towards Callan Ward, which is even worse. It's become even worse now because the player himself, Callum Ward, Jared, has spoken on 3RW and he's confirmed that some of that uh, hateful communication that's been directed his way has even involved death threats. I mean, is that what we've got to? For a free kick that may or may not have been there now, players are getting death threats sent to them via direct email, uh, direct message, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you like. I mean, what more can you say on it? It's just disgraceful. It's ridiculous stuff. It makes you question where we are as a football community. Rapid fire questions for Rapid Tune. They'll keep you moving. Rapidtune.com.au. I'm interested, Kane and Luke, in your perspectives on the, the player taunting, the the trend towards humiliating an opponent, which I think one of the most interesting aspects is it's been raised by the former players. This is very much your issue that has been highlighted and what, from Lee Montagna to Nick Revolt, even Dermot Brereton's affronted with the level of it at the moment. Well, what's... Luke, you go first. What what do you see in this? I absolutely hate it. I hate the look. I I watched a... uh, I commentated a game. I won't say the player, but he was playing... I think it was either his first or second game, and someone took a mark, uh, and he went straight up the opposition and started pushing him in the back. And I'm sitting there going, you're playing your first or second game, and you're going doing that. I'd be too scared to talk to the opposition in your first or second. But I remember when the times where blokes used to taught that the opposition would be, say if someone, say if we had a tagger and they're tagging their best player, our tagger kicks a goal, you'll go and bump him and just sort of say, hey, mate, you're selfish, you're not manning up, look after your team, that kind of stuff. But that's turned from just getting into his head into someone will take a mark, the opposition will be on the ground, they're shoving him in the back, they're rubbing their hair. It's just a dirty look, which... But now I'm going to watch under 12s. My kids are 10 and 12, and you're starting to see that in kids' football. And it goes back to everything the AFL players, and we're included in that. We've been former players. That everything you do on the footy field, the younger guys are watching. And I'm starting to see the same things in under 12s, which as a parent, you sit back and go, that just looks terrible. I, uh, I'm with Hodgie a little bit on this one. I watch Ned McHenry go after Max Gorn on <laughs> Wednesday night at Adelaide Oval, and I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is a guy who's played eight games, and Max Gorn would probably hardly even know his name, and he's going straight after the Melbourne captain before a ball's even been bounced. Now, part of it, I think, was strategy from the Crows because they knew Gorn was injured and he had that sore shoulder. But how's the nerve on the, on the players coming through? Um, I've been on the end of those those other ones, the, the tagging ones that, that uh, Luke is mentioning, and, and they do get in your head. So uh, that, that's okay from a tactical point of view. Like if, if you tried to tag Gary Ablett when he was at the peak of his powers at a cold Kidinia Park day, you would have every Geelong player under the sun coming after you. And that was, that was really difficult to, to handle. But that was one of Geelong's strengths. So if that's a real weapon that you can use to protect your best players and um, give yourself an advantage and you've got Cameron Lang and Joel Corey and Scarlett and these guys coming after you, good luck to you. But I do get a little bit amused, like Hodgie, that these guys who you know basically have done nothing in the game um, feel like they have 
the respect to go and do that. Um, and there's nothing that can protect Max Gorn from that happening. Sam, you're, well, I, I you're, don't mind. Sorry, I don't ahead. mind the I don't mind the, the battle v battle. So it's position b v position, ruck v ruck, or centre half forward v centre half forward, where they're going going at each other. And it's a it's a good old old-fashioned battle against it. It's when some, when you take a mark on that and then this little half-forward flanker who hasn't touched the ball comes across and from behind bumps or pushes or scruffs ahead. That's what annoys me. If it's Max Gorn takes a mark on somebody, he goes around and gives him lip, no problems because it's a one-on-one contest. It's the person who's irrelevant who comes off from the side and then rubs his head because the bloke can't see him or he shoves his head into the ground because he's he, he can't get him back. That That's the one that really gets me and that's the one I'm starting to see in kids in, in junior footy. Sam, you're, you're on the other side of this. You're a child uh, of the Shane Warne, Glenn McGrath send-offs. Steve Warr called it mental disintegration, <laughs> Jared. I might be in the minority. In fact, I know I'm in the minority with this, but part of me thinks there'll always be moments across the line, of course, and we don't want those, but how sanitised do we want to make the game? And I know it's all about image and kids watching the game. We certainly don't want them doing it at under-10s level or anything like that, which is, as Luke Hodge says, is a real chance of, of happening. But... Part of me likes it, the cut and thrust of it. I mean, as long as nothing illegal is happening, blokes aren't getting king head or, or the like, you, you live in by the sword and you die by the sword. If McHenry wants to do it to Max Gorn, well, then half his luck. He, he rolls the dice, doesn't he? And it's the cut and thrust of, of high-stakes sport where it, they're playing for keeps. And it's if I'm petty. Si- it, it is, is petty. petty. I can't wait. I'm, next time I see you, I'm going to walk past. I'm going to scruff your hair, <laughs> and then every time I'm going to see how you enjoy but it. Don't we like the bands? <laughs> isn't that what we like about the game? The zest in the game. I mean, how vanilla do we want to make it? I mean, if a player wants to do that, then he runs the risk of having egg on his face ten minutes later. It's sort of part of it. As long as nothing illegal is happening. Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't look good. It doesn't do anything. It's. It's just. I understand the battle side of things, and yes, you want to get under people's skin. Isn't it? Yeah, isn't it about planting that seed of doubt in your opponent? Yeah, but the seed of doubt should be the. In my belief, is the one who is going to battle with him. If you take a mark on someone, you go back, you look him in the eye, and you have a bit of a word to him, and sort of say, "Hey, hey like it's not the person who runs away who pushes him from behind or bumps him from behind or, or scruffles ahead because he's got three centre-half forwards or, or a ruckman in front of him and then runs away. That's the thing that annoys me. I just want to get to one more. Should the final <laughs> series be staged in one state or should we do our best to keep the options open so that teams who have won the right to host finals get to host finals, Kane? Uh, probably one state, just for logistics and just to minimise any risk of the season not being completed and because I think logistically you're going to have to lock it in before you actually realise who's on top. So I, I get the thought, well, if Port Adelaide are on top and Brisbane are second, whoever qualifies highest could get that grand final at the Gabba or the Adelaide Oval. But it just sounds good, but I think logistically it's too hard to, to lock a grand final date in so late. So just to make it easier um, and safer, I think one state would, would work best. So let me run that one level further, Kane. Port Adelaide <laughs> finish first... Yeah. And Brisbane finished second. The whole final series is in Queensland. So Port played, can't... Played, played at the Gabba. Should, <laughs> yeah, the Gabba. should Brisbane be allowed to host their qualifying final at the Gabba or like everybody else, should they have to play on neutral venue? Um, no, wherever the AFL locks it in. So that needs to be locked in before that happens. So you know, Port Adelaide will be aware of where it's going to be played. Now, completely unfair. Get all that. But it was unfair for West Coast to have to go and sit in a hub for six weeks at the start of the year as well. So it's just an unfair season, and that decision will be made before we come to that point in the season. Mm. All right, we, we could go all day, I reckon. 4pm, Port Adelaide-Richmond coverage starts. So great to have you both there, Kane. Luke, well done.
Good on you guys. Thanks. Thanks. Guys. Have a good day. Kane Corns and Luke Hodge. Uh, there's plenty of fodder there, Sam. Oh, jeez. I'm there. amazed we fit that in in an hour. That last subject could have gone for another hour. They'll keep you moving with their huge range of services. Book online at rapidtune.com.au. So in a few hours' time, Port and Richmond, this has been crunch time for Beaumont Tiles. Exclusive bathroom packages from Beaumont's. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Foreground the lot and identify that asbestos risk management services.